Welcome back to Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler, and I'm so happy that you've joined us. As the creator and host of this podcast, it is critical to me to convey to you, our listeners, how much positive power you have inside of you right now, in this very moment. You have the power to change your life. And that could be changing it, like I had to back when I was 23, from a place of kind of being on a road to nowhere, kind of feeling hopeless and stuck, to being on a road to somewhere desirable, someplace good. It could also be changing your life from good to great. And it could also be changing your life from great to, I cannot believe how incredibly blessed and lucky I am to get to live this life. You have that power inside of you. And that is all you need to get started. The rest, you can learn along the way. I started this podcast as a way to bring stories of hope and triumph, as well as resources that will help you along that journey, whatever that might be, where, whatever your starting place is, or whatever your destination might be. My sincerest hope is that you find it valuable. So let's go. Here is this week's episode. Today's guest began his career in project management and real estate investment, but then business downturn, burnout, and losing his parents led to severe depression. That all changed in 2017 when he realized he had been living for years without the fire in his belly. Then he began his journey of learning, growing, and inspiring others. Today, he is a best-selling author, an entrepreneur, real estate investor, mentor, husband, and father of three beautiful girls. His mission is to help others find their potential and become the mightiest version of themselves. His latest book is Be Heard to Be Rich, Listen to Your Inner Genius, which shares insights from interviews with more than 400 guests on his podcast, Fire in the Belly. His name is Mighty Pete Lawton, and I cannot wait for you to meet him. So Pete, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honor and privilege to be here. So thank you. Nice. And you're coming all the way from Ireland. Sunny Ireland where the you know the sun always shines. There's never <laughs> there's no rain. We're always a really tropical temperature. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Ireland, right? <laughs> yeah. Somehow I'm not believing it. Although it sounds good. You're very convincing. <laughs> yeah, I I I'm just visualizing and dreaming. So yeah, hopefully someday. Oh man. But it, it always seems so green in every picture I ever see. That's because of all the rain. <laughs> yeah. I lived in Oregon for a while, Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon. Same mm-hmm. thing. It's like uh, they say God turns on the water faucet around October 1st and he doesn't shut it off again until July. <laughs> so it's the same. Sounds about right. It sounds about right. You know, so uh, yeah, sort of migrating is is on the on the long term plan. So wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, you had kind of a, an interesting journey. It seems like and it was what, when you're 37 and a half, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. kind of pivotal happened. Do you mm-hmm. want to share with us what that what that was? Sure. There's a lot going on in my life, I suppose. And like a lot of people, I got to kind of a crossroads in my life. And 
I think a lot of people will get this, especially typically entrepreneurs, whereby you almost have to change gear. It's, it's a mixture of between, I think, when you get to a certain age or you wake up and going, I should be responsible. I've got kids. I've got a mortgage. I've got a serious life. And yet I don't know who I am. And I've never felt so lost. Mm. Um, you know, when you should have all your ducks in a row, that's kind of I kind of almost liken it to almost a fishing rod. You know, at the, at the bottom of the fishing rod, it's all straight and good. And at the top, it's all wobbly and all over the place. That's kind of where I was, to be quite honest. You know, the gap between mm. who I truly am and who I was at that time was massive. And to the point, you know, I just almost couldn't make a connection. So real feelings of loss, very much um, manifested and sort of exaggerated by, we. you know, I, I lost a renewable energy business. There was a change in the government tariffs, which basically wiped us out overnight. Tail end of depression. Uh, I lost my father in 2010 and I lost my mother in 97. And, and I discovered between those two, a bit of a useless fact that actually it takes me seven years to get over the death of a parent. So it was sort of like the tail end of that as well. And we had a newborn child, so we had sleep deprivation. So we had all these things yeah. all coming together. Now, I sort of now believe things happen for you, not to you. And the amazing thing was that all basically came to a pinnacle at that time when I was 37 and a half and a number of things happened, but one in particular where, and I talked about it in the TEDx talk and, and, you know, pretty much finding myself rocking on, on the side of my bed at night, you know, just in absolute agony. And it was quite simply from toothache, but it, it was the, almost the symbolism that was the, it all manifesting and, and all sort of coming to a pinnacle. So mm-hmm. I don't think my story is unique in any way and people have suffered a hell of a lot more. That's not to take away because I think we all have a personal journey. I think it's more what you do with it and that's the thing. So at that point, I then started to ask questions and I would encourage anyone saying, I didn't know where I wanted to go. All I could say is I wanted to start asking questions. I knew that my habits, my you know, my success so to date has been good. You know, I've achieved some amazing things. But the problem is there wasn't the passion there. There wasn't the passion that, you know, once the sort of the energy of youth and the, you know, the drive of bringing home the paycheck and all that, once that all sort of starts to dry away and your your sort of why disappears, well, that's when you see the wood for the trees. And to me, that's when you need the fire in the belly. You need to be building your, you know, your dreams, your goals, your genius upon that fire in the belly. Because if it's not a strong foundation at times of testing, which I found myself at that age, that's when everything comes into question, you know, yeah. and um, I think it's, it's you know, so many people say we get to that sort of call it midlife crisis, call it midlife opportunity. I don't mind. <laughs> so many entrepreneurs hit 35, 40, 45, 50, and they suddenly go from no success to perceived overnight success, I think, because suddenly it all changes the formula changes Hmm. and actually then you can do exponential things so it's a change in mindset and that for me was give or take four just over four years ago wow and i just started out by saying i didn't know how or where i was going to go but i was just going to keep asking questions that's kind of more or less ended up where i am today just still asking questions but i have a few answers but i still have more questions too right so consider myself so so fortunate for where I am and, yeah you know, some, some of the amazing things that happened there's so much in there Pete starting and I, I started making notes that's what I was doing as I was looking down 
when you said you believe that things happen for you, mm. not to you, I think I know what you mean by that. But would you explain that a little bit? There's a couple of sayings here, and, and sometimes there's a, there's a couple of lovely expressions I like. One is that sometimes good things don't happen, so the great things can. Mm. You know, we, we can get convinced that actually everything in life, it's almost like poor me. And, you know, I didn't win the lottery and then I fell in a puddle and this happened and this <laughs> happened and this happened. And, you know, and we can convince our own mindset that actually it's me versus the world. You know, it's everyone else is almost has his vendetta against me. And, you know, and it's very easy to slip into that and say, listen, poor me. When you turn around and say, well, maybe that just, maybe that happened, almost like a sliding doors moment. Maybe it happened for a reason that actually yeah. by me missing that job, by me not talking to the person or getting home or doing something different, well, actually, maybe this is just everything's kind of lining up to allow me to have, to, to get to a certain point, mm-hmm. you know? So it is, is it happening for you or to you? You know, one would be considered a negative mindset, one would be a positive mindset. That's right. You know, so I had something uh, just interesting today, sort of um, someone scratched my car and, you know, and, and my immediate response would have been, you know, anger previously. Well, now it's like going, okay, that's a weird sign. Kind of wish my car <laughs> wasn't scratched. But actually it's, it's you know, I'm now sort of going, I wonder what that's leading to. Almost mm-hmm. with excitement, it's kind of going, yeah, I've got a scratch to deal with, but maybe there's going to be something else. I'm going to meet somebody or something's going to happen as a consequence, right? So I know it sounds a bit bizarre, but it's like, well, Mm -hmm. just take time. You know, why not? You know, so maybe things are just moving your way just to maybe just a little bit weird the way it looks right now. So have the patience if you can. Yeah, I'm reading a book. It's uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I'm almost finished with it, actually. And that reminds me of what you're talking about. You know, like sometimes the challenge before us, we don't understand it, but it's there for a reason, you know, and uh, so, sometimes what I, what I find in those cases is, is I'll even pray and say, hey, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn, but I know there's something I'm supposed to take from this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I, I, I try to seek to find, you know, what is that? How is it supposed to change me? How is it, you know, maybe, maybe going to create a new opportunity that I don't even know about? Yeah, and it's funny because I mean, my own book there, we, we, we talk about, you know, came up with a model of like eight levels of consciousness. Ooh. And, you know, as we're going through, I think there's there's levels of consciousness. I mean, some of it we we conveniently bring into our lives because it, it's nice. But I think we're all much more conscious than we realize. So, for example, deja vu. It's a very interesting one, you know, in terms of, you know, this feeling that something's happened before or something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people sort of going, God, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. And I think we're all a lot more intuitive, both positively and negatively, than we mm-hmm. actually give ourselves credit for. When something happens that maybe isn't positively in our favor, we tend to dismiss it or we call it bad luck. You know, we suddenly take yeah. ownership of it. Whereas if it's got feeling or intuition, we accept that it's come a message from outside and it's not our fault. It's, you know, it, it's something sent to us. So the same thing, both are messages, but actually like anything, you know, any experience outside of you is really a fact, you know, it just is. What happens when we bring it into our mind is we then interpret whether that's a good thing, bad thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, something happens. And there's a great wee poem which which I love, and you know, so good news, bad news. Who knows? You know, and there's a it's, I can't remember. It's, it's about a farmer and their son, and then it's just interesting. It's all about interpretation. So some people yep. will look at this and saying it's positive, or someone else will look at it and saying it's negative. 
pre 37 and a half year old me would have been probably more in the negative side. I was positive, but negative. Um, you know, I would call it a realist, you know, and an engineer, very black and white, you know, and, you know, the harder you work, the more you get all the usual where post 37 and a half is kind of going, maybe there's more, hmm. you know, maybe there is intuition. What is this intuition thing? What's this passion thing? There's people who are, you know, same age, in fact, younger, who have been further, earned more, had more, been more, seen more. So I have to accept that actually my formula maybe isn't correct. And that in itself, because you then have to explode your own truth and saying, well, actually, I've always been convinced that just this is the way, as we all are, all humans are. So then you say, well, hold on, if if this is not working for me, then I now have a blank canvas to go and ask a question and mm-hmm. saying, well, okay, how has it worked for you? And I know your answer may be different to mine, but maybe I could learn something from that. So to go from very much, you know, from, from, you know, sort of almost telling mode into listening mode, that's when you start to hear things differently. That's when you, you know, accept someone else's opinions or ideas. And it's life-changing. It has been for me anyway. Yeah. Well, and Pete, you said that you've said it a few times already. The I didn't know where I wanted to go. So I started asking questions and I keep asking questions. And you, you mentioned that in your TEDx talk as well. What is it about asking questions that you found, I guess, so powerful? It, I think we all have questions, right? Because if you're not where you're supposed to be or you look at somebody else, now you might look at them, you know, because everyone can teach you something, right? It could be that, that you've taught oh, yeah. me that I don't want to speak to them again. It could be that actually they're <laughs> really interesting. It could be that they've taught me something I never knew. It can be anything. So you always learn something. But that, you know, asking the question allows you to then almost externalize it. So it allows you to think outside of yourself or let someone else have uh, an insight. You know, you get insight into their world and vice versa. You get to bring it into your world, you know, because you can't experience something outside of it yourself because that would be called an out-of-body experience. And then, therefore, that would have, you know, near-death experience, all sort of ties to it. So everything is experienced within you. So by asking a question out allows an answer to come back in. Hmm. Now, quite often, we're actually, the only reason we listen to an answer the way we listen is actually to match it up with something we already know. So it's like a huge mirror we're holding up against ourselves. Huh. So if it doesn't resonate, we don't get it. Don't understand. Can you explain whatever, whatever, whatever? If I if I cannot tally that to something that I've known before, seen before, then I'm sitting here going, I just don't get it. You know, astrophysics. Right. I start, you know, so you then have to explain <laughs> it to a level that I can then, you know, find it and match it up with knowledge I already have and learn a bit and then match a few things. And then suddenly, yes, I get it. I can onboard that information and now it makes sense. You know, if it doesn't make sense, I then just pretty much you just store it and you delete it. Right. You know? So by asking those questions, it also allows you to find out something about someone that they've never asked you know, or nobody's ever taken the time, Mm -hmm. you know, we do it. How often do we do it? We we talk to be heard. We talk to, we're too busy actually waiting, you know, for the opportunity to speak again, when actually you can go and ask them how they got to success, ask them how they failed, ask them what they learned, ask them, you know, what they would do again the next time and trust that I will never be able to experience what they've experienced. But what they can do is they can give me their sort of ringside seat of explaining it. Hmm. So I've no right to talk because I didn't experience their life. Only they can tell me how it felt, how 
you know, hard it was to fail, how wonderful it was to, you know, to, to succeed. And then whenever they get to the pinnacle and say that I've achieved this award, I've achieved this milestone, then you can start and you can only start, you never get the full gravitas, but then you can start to understand why success means so much to them or the achievement or the medal or the recognition or the sobriety or whatever it is. Then suddenly you go, do you know what? You've walked me a mile in your shoes and I now have an appreciation that I didn't have before. So thank you. That's a powerful question. Yeah. I love how you put that to the ringside seats to their story. Yeah, absolutely. You what know, a privilege, right? What a privilege. What an honor when we get to do that. Hmm. And not just for the person listening, but I think the person talking, the opportunity to get to tell their story, Yeah, to get to reveal themselves through it. That's probably the one thing from, from my own show that I, I hadn't expected. Mm-hmm. The amount of feedback, the amount of revelations, the amount of game-changing moments. You know, the first couple as you do and, and the, the human mind, the, the conscious mind turns around and says, yeah, yeah, they're just being nice to you. And then after a while, you're kind of going, hold on, this is a bit of a repeat message I'm getting. You know, and after a while, you start, you've got to start uh, seeing it or, or start hearing it. So unintentionally, I didn't know where I was going, but I thought if I, if I mirror the success, the habits of the successful, then surely sooner or later, I'm going to start to come up with an idea. So what I'll do is mm. I'll get myself game ready. Don't know what I'm going to do, but if I get myself game ready, then that's a useful thing to do with my spare time until the big one comes. Yeah. It took me a long time to realize that like literally a couple of hundred episodes into, you know, the fire in the valley and people going, do you know what? You're like, just your questions just drill in, you know, and you go deep and I do the same with the coaching. And it's kind of going, that's your thing. Your fire in the belly is the fire in the belly. And it's kind of going, after a while, I was like, yeah, maybe. I was like, <laughs> actually, do you know what? I, I've been doing this. It's like, I, I kind of have to own it now, you know? So um, yeah. unexpected, but that's, and the reason I know it's my thing, I'll quite happily do it the rest of my life. That's cool. Hmm. That's cool. And what I love about that too, is you just kind of followed an interest and you let it evolve, you know? So how soon after this, this epiphany, when you're 37 and a half or this moment, which really sounds like a perfect storm, how long was it before you started the podcast Fire in the Belly? So it was all in all before the first episode went live, uh, it was about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. No. So we, we've, I think it's about 215 episodes out. We've done, we've recorded over 400. Kind of unusual. We have quite a high spoil rate that I call it. And, and that's just episodes that will never go live. They'll just, you yeah. know, they're basically just destined for another land. Um, <laughs> just because sometimes we're, we're not always ready to share what comes out. You know, mm. you ask a deep question, sometimes you're going to get a deep answer. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean that's sort of, that's suitable for public viewing straight away Mm -hmm. you know it's unusual you know yourself i mean this conversation like this is incredibly intimate you get to hear the person you're getting one-on-one contact and it's amazing and then you sort of forget there's a microphone in front of you and uh that's i find that quite often you know and especially Mm -hmm. you know when you've got this arrangement and, and things like that that actually then people almost wake up the next day and go on i didn't expect to talk about that oh (laughs) yeah yeah that can happen yeah happens and and that's cool because Mm -hmm. the number my one number one objective is to have an amazing conversation with you yeah and 
the podcast is a nice bonus. It's not mm. the purpose. You know, so all our conversations go through like a 13-step process. Like the podcast is number three, you know. So it's 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 not to say it's nothing because it is really important. But first and foremost is the primary objective is the conversation. Yeah. Like I say, that's why I have a lot of conversations that will never see the light of day because of what we talked about, because of their revelations, because of their epiphanies. I know where I can point to roughly, I think, about between 12 and 15 podcasts that have been born off the back of our conversation on on the show. Wow. Um, there's about, I think there's about uh, 10 books anyway that I can point to and saying, literally, I either, you know, we came up with the name of the book in the interview or whatever. So what a privilege, right? You know, you just get to be there for that person's moment of creativity. Yeah. And now tell me more about the name, Fire in the Belly. Because, I mean, mm. that has a meaning to me. What does it mean mm-hmm. to you? Well, there's so many things. It's it's the thing that lights you up. Um, mm. The most common answer I can tell you is passion. Yeah. You know, by, by a country mile. It's passion, passion, and versions of it. I think for me now, and it evolves, to be honest, you know, and this is the amazing thing. Selfishly, it's like it, it gives as much to me as it does to guests and, and, and everyone else. I think to me, it's really sort of helped me to find my soul values, It's which is different to your core values. It's helped me find the version of myself, the thing that I'll do the rest of my life. You know, the thing that just, it's transformational in, in everything you do. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's echelons above inspiration and motivation. It's the bit where you will evolve your life. You know, you don't mind doing it. You'll do it without getting paid. You you want to succeed, do better, learn more, try harder. You know, there's just, it It actually gives off more energy than it takes. Yeah. So that to me is fire in the belly. And I believe, and you know, this is the sort of the place I've come to in saying, as long as you've a, a beat in your heart, you have a fire in your belly. Mm. You could be, and I have spoken to many people, you know, literally, you know, wanting to jump off a bridge, I believe they have a fire in their belly. I've spoken to people who have, you know, on stage and living their best life and they have a fire in their belly. So it's not a case of if I have a fire in your belly and saying, I believe we all have it, you know, and a bit like Acres of Diamonds, you know, we all have it. The question is, what are you going to do about it? And that's the difference. How do people find that or name it? The different, I think everyone's journey is different. How do you find it? Quite often people don't even know they have it until eventually someone points it out. Um, but I think there's different aspects. When you look at successful people, quite often it can be, you know, there's, there's an expression I particularly like is, you know, from your darkest hour can come your brightest moment. Mm-hmm. So those that have that contrast have a bigger fire in their belly typically, because by contrast, the consequence is much greater for them. As in, I've had a really hard time. I will never go back there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the harder the time, the bigger the fire that says non-negotiable, not going there. Vice versa, somebody who lives an okay or an average life, which unfortunately I think is is quite a high statistic, they will never feel bad enough to actually be motivated to do something different. Mm-mm. And that's not to be derogatory. I just think unfortunately there's there's a lot of people living averageness or beliefs or whatever and they just never quite manage to get into second gear or third gear you know it just doesn't quite happen for them and to me it's i mean that's almost more tragic right you know this that's just missed opportunity 
Yeah. You know, and as it's a world you ask someone so well, I would, I would love, I call it the love, but you know, I'd love to have done that, but my legs were too short or, you know, something whatever. happened to the dog or whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Right. And that's almost more tragic, you know, and it's like a life of missed dreams. It's like, wow, what mm -hmm. am I going to do with that? You know? So that's when I hear somebody who's, who's gone for it and said, don't know, didn't work out. But then sometimes, like I say, life happens for you, not to you. And, and that thing not happening has cleared the way for the great thing to happen because the good thing didn't, you know? So, or you can look at it and say, poor me and me versus the world. So what do you want to do? We're, we're going to, we're all living the same journey. You can either come in with a the positive attitude and saying it's fantastic and wow, or you can go, and I've done both, right? I'm, I'm not sitting oh, yeah. with you on a high horse for one second, you know, and saying I've done the other side that says per me and God, why did he get the promotion and why am I not doing this? And I wish I was that. And, you know, so um, that's some of the lessons. Yeah, no, that's great. And a lot of that really resonates. Now, something that you said about it, I think it was in your TEDx talk. It, it seemed like it didn't have to just be related to career, right? It could be, you know, maybe, you know, not just limited to the work that we do. Is that, am I on track with that? Yeah, I, I think it's possibly nothing to do with the work that you do. Uh, I mean, so many careers I think are, and my own was there. My career was pretty much from my father. And my father was incredibly supportive. Both my parents were, you know, so, and this is the weird thing. It's like, it, it doesn't always have to be earth shattering things. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a different experience. My big could be your small and vice versa, you know, and, you know, per me, I sort of pretty much on a, a six figure salary and a, you know, corporate career and climbing the ladder, huge rates. But then when my father passed away, within six months, I quit. Wow. because it just wasn't my thing it's like yeah i can go through the motions i can tick all the boxes and that's great and that's it's all it was almost like a conversation point between myself and my father you know and you kind of go why are you complaining it's like i'm not complaining all i'm saying is it, it was also a realization that i was doing it for him and not for me mm. you know which is kind of also why i referred earlier to you know sometimes good and okay are actually deadly deadly states that's of mind, right you know so yeah i I actually don't think quite often you're firing your belly's anything to do with your career. I think quite often, mm -hmm. you know, we do a career because it's a job. We do it because that's what we thought it was done, or that was the college form that we filled out, or, <laughs> you know, how many people that's have right. backflipped into <laughs> their position because they knew somebody who interviewed them and promoted to whatever. Mm -hmm. And you go, are you passionate? Are you where you want to be? Or are you where you're supposed to be? Yeah. Right, if you could answer that question, I would think sincerely. But um, yeah, there's, there's very few, I think, are truly doing what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And I know, uh, I think that's very common, what you're describing. I've had a lot of guests on the show that, that have you know talked about that for themselves. And you, I think it was in, oh, was it on your website maybe? You talked about that little voice inside you that says, maybe I could do more. Hmm. I think that many times we hear that voice and sometimes we shove that voice away. Like I'm not listening, <laughs> you know, cover your ears. And other times we pay attention to it. It seems like you paid attention to it and, you know, you followed it a little bit. I, I paid attention to it because 
I the position I put myself in having not paid attention mm-hmm. to the point when you've drowned out literally everything else and it's like the only voice left, you know, and you hear, you know, there's something so clearing and whenever you are able to let go of all the things, all the sort of expectations, beliefs, all the sort of failures, all the things that's not for you, you know, mm. it, it it's both you're at your most naked and vulnerable, but you're also at your most pure. Yeah. And it's kind of at that point, you get an opportunity. You get the opportunity of saying, well, okay, if I'm not this job, if I'm not this career, if I'm not that mortgage, if I'm not, you know, even my name, if I'm not Pete, then who am I? Well, what if, what if I could be, you know, the world's biggest property developer? What if? And if you did nothing more than ask that question, well, what if? And saying, well, I know for me at that 37 and a half, it was kind of going, I have nothing to lose that if I try thing, a certain couple of things, because I've always got this position to come back to. I can more or less map out the rest of my life and say, yeah, I'd achieve lots and everything would be great and that's okay. Would I have pushed myself? Would this engineer have become, you know, almost a deep thinking type psychology type, you know, sort of interviewing person, author, yeah. best-selling author, TEDx speaker? Would I have done any of that? No, I wouldn't. Mm-mm. You know, okay, there's the podcast. Well, what if it doesn't work out? I'll just switch it off. <laughs> you know, what if this happens? You know, but what if I do? What if I did start to write a book? What if I did interview somebody what if i did get to have a wonderful opportunity to speak to yourself bobby you know so what if is sitting me here and you know what if we have amazing conversation yeah you know i think that what if i think they're two of the most powerful world words that we can say you know and even if something bad happens so what right if you learn if it moves you forward it's still momentum in some way it is still momentum you know a few minutes ago, you said something I really wanted to come back to. You said uh, soul values versus core values. Mm. Tell me, I've never heard the soul values. I've never heard someone say it that way. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it's super interesting. And, and a lot of people would be used to core values, and oh, myself yeah. included. So, I mean, typically, you know, so you're going to get a number of things, um, integrity, honesty, whatever. The thing I've started to notice with a lot of those core values is that a lot of them are built on lack. Okay, so there's there's a to, to put it into context. There's a there's a saying I find quite intriguing. It's your voids are your values. Okay, hmm. so quite often in life, when people have you know something's happened in their life, then through their growing up, through their adult life, or whatever, they set to. You know, we had no money when we grew up. That's why I really want money. Okay, ah. so the lack of one creates the the want for another. The problem is when they get the money, then they go, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Okay. So I want a strong person in my life because I didn't have blah, blah, blah. So, and so it, it's been cautionary whenever we go out, you know, how many counselors or mentors do we know that actually need mentored? You know, you know, so many people want to help, even though you kind of go and you still need help. So this is a long roundabout way I'm going at this. No, that's but, good. <laughs> so the point being, so if your voids are your values, I think it's it's only natural to say my values are this. So if I looked and I said, right, and I, as I did too, and I said, right, well, integrity, honesty, and I can't even remember what the, the other one was, but saying, why would I have integrity on the list? Because that then suggests there is a lack of it. Hmm. So I'm almost unintentionally manifesting a lack of integrity, you know, because if I said, I, I don't know, um, yeah, well, honesty is one. 
Well, honesty then, for me to put that on the list means there must be a lack of honesty somewhere in my life that I feel the need to re-stamp that on my core values. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So unintentionally, yeah. and, and it's the most innocent thing that sits right in front of us. You know, and you kind of go on honesty, integrity. So it means so you're assuming somebody's not going to be honest with you. Therefore, you need to, you know, put it on your CV as such, your, your, your sort of soul, your core CV. So then you go, well, that's great. But then who am I? What's my heartbeat? What does my soul want? Because even, you know, all those emotions and the 4,000 odd emotions that we have are typically conscious body emotions. That's what the human, you know, this meat suit we have experiences and the ego and the conscious mind. When you go to the soul values and you look at all humans and assuming that, you know, we all have great intentions, okay, we end up in different places and different outcomes, but assuming we're all doing what we think is right, well, then quite often then the soul value is love, connection, sometimes the third, can't think of one right now, but love is, it's, it just is. Mm-hmm. Connection just is. And you could say, yes, there could be a lack, but it's it's so different in that it's all you know, if our souls just did nothing that showed love and connection service, it's typically the third one, sorry. You know, if we can just deliver with service, love and connection, you know, maybe there's a lack, but maybe not. It's all embracing. It's all encompassing. That I think is almost a common soul value. You know, mm-hmm. it's for me, it's so much deeper and I think it's so much common. And that's almost the whole point of, you know, any human being. You know, when it comes to the lack of service or, or sorry, you know, even at the end of their life or when they're in the deepest, darkest hour, you know, we are seeking connection. Yeah. You know, it's so fundamental to to being a human. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, and that's, that's the, the, just spotting the difference between those. You know, I mm-hmm. think we can all sort of traipse out, you know, those core values, but soul values, I think is just something that I think we all need that, you know, almost mantra in life or we all need that code of conduct that is. Yeah who we are that's just our thing mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be riches it doesn't have to be anything else because we're all born naked and screaming and we all go back out naked and screaming. <laughs> well and as you, you know? said it's all a personal journey it's and it's very very personal everyone's different totally wow. right but yet we say we have some common bonds hmm. very yeah. definitely so shifting gears a little bit to hmm. uh your book right mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that yeah so I almost don't know how the book happened. It sounds bizarre. <laughs> it was almost a prequel, but I suppose it's my enlightenment towards my realizing that the fire in the belly, my fire in the belly is the fire in the belly. And really what I'm trying to do is just share some of the insights I've found from listening, you know, listening mm. and hearing and, and, you know, even the definition of listening and hearing. It's my observations about body language. It's about what happens if we sit down and take time to speak to somebody for an hour, two hours. It's about if we stop asking, you know, big questions and let them just speak. It's about observing the certain languages. You've beautifully picked up certain things that I've said or certain things that have gone on. So active listening. It sounds so basic when you point it out, but actually I think so many people are not listening. And not only that, they're not even listening to themselves, you know, Mm. and, and I... That's something I've found is just comes very naturally to me. You know, when people talk about I, myself, and me, and we, and they're referring to themselves in different persons. So from an NLP perspective, it's like almost these part, you know, parts of me. You know, so when I was young, you know, 
you know, I would have felt this. So we, we can we can section up our lives and different experiences and then, you know, say, well, my problem is that I don't know what I want. So you've just told me there's an I and there's a my. Okay, this is it. It's fundamentally quite simple, but once you, once you crack it, it sort of sounds more complicated. I've just referred to myself in two different ways. So why would I, and you know, myself and I, why would I have done that? Why would I have referred to myself? Why would I say, well, I think this and I want to do that? As I go, I think this, my problem or my idea is this. So when you ask the questions, going, why have I just done that? Why has, or somebody you're speaking to? Yeah. Or they'll project it out. So they'll say, you know, when you're doing this, you would do this, wouldn't you? So I'm actually seeking, almost seeking uh, acknowledgement from you so I can reflect it back into me. So if you just take it for what it is and try and strip everything else away, the fact that I've referred to myself in different ways would suggest that I actually have different values, different thoughts about the same thing. So Mm -hmm. part of me is happy with the situation and part of me is unhappy with the situation. Part of me, this is my values, my beliefs, my expectations. Part of me says this is not for me. Okay. And you can go spiritual at this point. You can go psychological. You can go whatever way you want. But even just by spotting the gap in between who you are, the various parts that you refer to, that is telling, you know, because part of me is saying, you know, they'll tell you, you know, part of me wants to be successful, but part of me can't get my arse off the sofa. Yeah. You know, so, so why is that? Same person. Are you schizophrenic? You know, why is it? You know, so you've just told me two parts of you, you know, there's different parts of you want different things. That's right. You know, so when you start to split that and then you listen to the language and they will actually tell you, Hmm. they will say, my problem is this, but I really want that promotion. You've just told me part of you wants the promotion, but the other problem says, I'm, this is, I'm not in congruency. I'm out of alignment. It's not my thing. It was, you know whatever, whatever, whatever. So until you collapse those two, you will always have that gap. So you can never be one person because you've actually got two sets of values or two sets of beliefs or three sets of beliefs or four sets of beliefs. It's complicated. <sighs> kind of does and it doesn't. Yeah. You know, but all the time there is that gap. It, to me, it's like, it's just unresolved, hmm. you know, and until you can collapse that and and really accept it or let it go or you know, welcome it in because I mean, I'm, I'm really not a, a big one for sort of saying, all right, well, uh, and it's fundamentally, I have a problem with some sets of coaching where it's almost like, we'll set a goal. We'll do this, do this, do this. It's like, you really got to make sure the foundations are clear. You got to make sure that the person is in integrity, genuine yep. integrity. All parts of them want this because we can build you an amazing goal set and we can set you off down the path. It's inspirational. It's motivational. The problem is it's not transformational, mm-hmm. you know, and I can get you going. That's fine. You'll feel great until you don't, you know, whereas if you want to transform, you got to really sort of make sure you're rock solid on the bottom. And then what happens to me, and this is what I spotted is people find that fire in the belly. And it's almost like finding this golden thread in the desert. Mm. And when they do it, because every part of them believes in it, every part of them wants it. You know, every part of them needs it, knows this is the thing. Well, suddenly all bets are off because it says, this is it. Mm-hmm. You no longer have any breaks, any stops, any ifs, buts, whenevers. This is it. I am doing it. Come hello, high water. I don't care. This is my calling. This is my purpose. This is my fire in the belly. Thank you. Yeah. And that's a game changer. 
you can tell the energy they give off. Suddenly, it's mm-hmm. like, boof. You kind of go, if I had any doubt, I don't even know what you're talking about. But, you know, the energy and the enthusiasm you just hit me with, I believe you. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or, and then there's nothing that's going to stop them at that point. No. No. no everything right. just coalesces. And it could be anything. It could be the weirdest, you know, side hobby. It could be whatever. It doesn't matter, right? Because It doesn't all, matter. No. It only no, it has doesn't. to matter to them. Yeah. You know, we all do. I mean, we all do quirky and weird things, and, and that's that's cool. What about embracing it all and saying, yeah, this is my thing? That's right. That's right. And now the no name fun. of your book is? So Be Hard to Be Rich. Listen to Your Inner Genius. So it is just that, you know, hearing what you are actually saying, all those voices, what you know, hearing oh. what's going on, what's it trying to tell you, you know, you will find that golden thread. If you listen to yourself, we generally struggle listening to ourselves. It takes sometimes a somebody to, to mediate or to, you know, hold up a mirror for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the point, you know, and saying there is an inner genius. It's, it's not a case of if it is the acres of diamonds, you know, yeah. There's a little statistic which I, I find fascinating. I've I've three baby daughters, and when a you know my daughters were all born, they're all carrying approximately two million eggs in their ovaries. Okay, that's the moment they're born. So theoretically, my grandchildren, if we're blessed, are actually already being carried around by my daughters. And the only reason I just find it fascinating because it's like that's how much potential. You know, it's the acorn from, you know, the, the, the oak tree from the acorn. It's just the seed. It's the potential. It's the idea. So it's like almost saying that seed is already inside for something that may or may not happen in X number of years. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example. You take then any ideas, any whisper of idea of inspiration, hope, whatever else it is, it's all actually inside of us. And when you get the likes of that in your head and saying life is happening for you, not to you, you know, saying, well, what if, what if I just tried this thing? And what if I turned up and that wasn't quite right? But then I got to meet such and such who then introduced me to such and such, which then led me to this. And now I'm at this beautiful, amazing place. And I find my fire in the belly. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I love the way you put it. It's asking that question, going back to the questions. And then it's just, putting yourself in the game and letting it, it it's hard, I, to me, I don't know how you feel about it. I think it's really hard to find, to answer some of these questions. If it's, you know, unless you're doing something, just, just sitting and thinking about it. And, and I, and I say that as someone, you know, I'm accused of overthinking a lot, <laughs> yeah. but sometimes I think you, you need to get out there and do something, even yeah. if that's talking to someone to bring in some new information, some kind of new insight. Well, well, you see, thinking for me is conscious behavior. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you're in your head, you're dead. You know, that's the thing because you've now handed it over to the logical mind and you're now saying, can you please compute this? Yeah. The problem is you've stopped asking. So when you follow the mantra of the usual ask, believe, receive, I think there's actually one missing in there. So it'd be ask, believe, do, receive. Mm. You know, because people do get a little bit, a little bit sort of going, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of chanting here and nothing's happening. You know, as humans, that's the thing. We also get a feedback mechanism. But there's so many people don't actually clarify and ask. And even when they do ask, the things they've asked for, they don't believe. Yeah. And then suddenly when it doesn't happen, they're like, well, yeah, life's against me. 
it's like you've asked for something you don't believe in. So, because I didn't used to get mm-hmm. this, people would say, you know, what do you believe you can have in life? And they would say anything. You know, and the engineer in me goes, yeah, right. okay, that's great. You know, I want a tunnel boring machine. You know, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? The practical, the ego, mind, yeah. the conscious mind starts thinking. You know, so suddenly I brought it into the conscious world, and then I'm going, yeah, what a silly thing to say. Whereas actually, when you listen to what they're saying, it's like you can have anything you want. And there's so many times when we think we want something, it's like, well, we don't actually want it. What we want is, you know, we look at somebody else with riches and we want what they have. That's right. You know, and you're superimposing your expectations onto somebody else. It's not that you want, I, you know, I want to feel this lack go away. I want to feel, uh. I want to feel what they have. So when then everyone said, you know, that whole thing of saying, I can have anything that I want. It's like, yes, if you truly believe you can have anything you want, you know, and I only sort of reemphasize that because there's so many people walking around with these goals and don't get me wrong, goals are brilliant, but are they your goals? Are they ego-based goals? You sit in a mastermind and people's goals change simply because they hear each other. You know, well, he's asked for a million quid. I, I, I need two, you know? He's right. asked for a car I need for because I don't want to look silly in the group. And suddenly they're no longer your goals. Mm-hmm. You know, so every goal should be tested. Everything should be tested. You know, and I didn't always know how to talk to myself. I didn't even know how to sort of ask the, you know, ask the subconscious mind, my inner genius. Yeah. And that's really where from this, you know, sort of we talked a little bit, you know, about this, the deep genius program is kind of going, we actually need the conscious mind to get the hell out of the way here because that's going to only mm-hmm. going to bring in thinking, fears, regrets, all the other 4,000 plus emotions. What if I go into feeling mode? What mm-hmm. do I feel? What is my future? What do I feel about that? I feel, you know, I can see this and it's going to be, it's going to feel fantastic. And I can, I can visualize, I can paint a picture. I can take you there. So then maybe, maybe, the future has already happened. And what we're doing is visualizing the future into the present. Yeah. Because how many people are living the past and the future? You know, so the, day, the, what, the lives that they lead and the life they're going to lead tomorrow is going to be filled with the regrets of the past. Mm-hmm. But what if we swap that and said, actually, the now, we're going to live the future now. We're going to visualize it. We're going to make that statement all positive based. I'm so happy and grateful now that I can see it. I've visualized my car. I can literally taste it, feel it, be there. So different, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, what? very different. Yeah. I what? love that too. I love that. Now that I understand the title more, I love that. Because mm-hmm. we often, we don't tune in. We don't listen to ourselves. You know? Well, so what is it? You know, is that some of the work that you do in your workshops as well? Your workshops and coaching? Yeah. Yeah. So mixture, obviously, with the, with the podcast, right. but then... I know for, for myself, that is just that it's actually doing sort of transformational coaching and mm-hmm. it is, it's, it's brutal. I'll be yeah. brutally honest, you know, it's, it's there. I don't really hang about and I do call it because, you know, I think we, we have to pattern break, you know, that we have just led this entire life of stories and justifications for ourselves that, um, you know, that's what you're doing. And it's, it's when you break that and, and whenever you pick up on the language and what people are telling you and you you start to actually find a crack, you also have to work quite quickly because the ego then spots the crack and says, I need to close this over. I need to justify this or I need to, I'm feeling vulnerable right now. You just found a chink in my armor. 
And this is where you need to actually go through and, and you, know, you can call it source work, you can call it whatever you want. But by the time if you can work on that and then realize that what's truth, what stories, what's built up, what's possible, what's not possible. Mm-hmm. And then you introduce the visualization aspect and saying, what do I know? What do I feel? What What is out there for me? And you apply that future visualization to this canvas that you've just wiped clean and mm. you apply those two together. And suddenly for me, it's a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Worlds would open up. It happens. It yeah. really happens. You know, that's awesome. Um, so. Yeah. Well, Pete, how can people find your book, your podcast and more about you and the work that you're doing? Sure. Well, the easiest way is just go to mightypete.com. Um, loads of information there about the book, the podcast, and cetera. You can reach out. Um, the book's available on Amazon and all good stores. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out there. We're lucky enough. It was endorsed by Mark Victor Hansen and we've, we went bestseller, which is fantastic. So yeah, it's just a, it's an opportunity for, for me to start. I would also, I am dyslexic and have ADHD. So wrote the book in a very different way. Um, and that's, I basically spoke the book and we, we did it through interviews. Nice. So, um, I just say that because listen, there's people saying I could never write a book. Well, You'll never catch me writing a book, but actually I will create more books. So just hopefully that inspires somebody out there that has a book, but doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of ways to make it happen. Absolutely. Love that. Final question too, cause you just said it, Mighty Pete, what's the story behind the mighty? I think I know, haven't been on your, uh, your website, but for the listeners, what's behind the mighty? Do you know what? Mostly it's a reminder to me. It's there's so many things. It reminds me every day to turn up as the best version of myself. You know, there's a reason Superman puts on a cape and doesn't just wear his normal suit. You know, it kind of, it's a uniform. It tells you to turn up and be your best version. People yeah. see it as, a, as, you know, an ego move or whatever, but and it isn't, it isn't. It's it's particularly useful with branding. I can tell you there's only one Mighty Pete in the world. Yeah. So um, generally it'll cut through internationals, whatever. It just, I know who that guy is. Uh, super simple for the branding. And I'd recommend that for anyone. You know, because when you, you know, my surname is a little bit complicated. Um, so being unique, being outstanding, you know, and turning up, it's funny. And generally in Europe, people think it's a little bit ostentatious. Generally in America, people go, yeah, go, go for it. Why not? You know, so yeah. I don't mind, you know, but it is a reminder to me. I see it. It's on my Zoom screen. It is all that. And it's kind of going, wow. if you're turning up, turn up good, you know, and, uh, that's the thing, you know, remind, you know, am I living in my fire in my belly? Am I authentic to my word? Am I, you know, living by my soul values? Am I loving, connecting and serving? And uh, if I'm doing that, then yeah, it's, it's good. We all stumble sometimes and that's okay too. That's okay too. But I love it being a reminder. We all need yeah. that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. well, Pete, thank you so much. This was great. I really appreciate your time, especially I know it's late there. But just thank you for being here and sharing like you did. I think I think it's uh, you added a lot of value. Awesome. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. Here are my three insights for thriving. Number one, things happen for you, not to you. Life is not out to get you, even if sometimes it may feel that way. Sometimes the good things don't happen so that there is room for the great things to show up. I know that I've spoken about this before, but when some adversity or challenge strikes, I try to bring my focus to this. What is this here to teach me? What is the gift that the universe 
is trying to give me? What can I learn? Number two, there are a lot of reasons why goals fail, even the smartest of smart goals. So among the reasons why goals may fail include, one, they aren't really your goals. You're maybe copying the goals of those around you because of appearances. Number two, they're built upon the shoulds of other people. And that might be people like your parents, a spouse, a friend, a boss, etc. But they're not really yours. Number three, you don't believe in them. There is something about the story that you tell yourself that tells you that for some reason they are outside of your reach. This one gets to identity and it is a dream killer. Number four, your goals might be too small. There might be that little voice inside of you telling you, begging you to listen to that these goals are too small. You could be doing something more. Number five, you'd like to have the result, but not the work to get them. And those two come hand in hand. And finally, they are simply not aligned with who you are and what you truly want. They are not honoring the greatness that is inside of you. And that's begging to come out. And going back to my three insights, number three, I really like that Pete uses Mighty Pete as a reminder to show up with greatness. Every day, I have an affirmation that I say a couple times a day. And part of that affirmation is this, that I bring my very best self to all interactions. Am I 100% successful with that? No, nobody's perfect. But that is my reminder. It sets my intention every single day. What is your reminder? If you found this episode helpful, please share it on your social media and tag me so that I can thank you for the support. It's through people like you sharing the podcast that we are growing and your support means the world to us. Over a year ago, I started this podcast to help people truly become the author of their own lives, regardless of whatever obstacles might pop up along the way. I believe that that is how we unlock our true destiny. So today, again, I'll leave you with this challenge. Be intentional about being true to and unlocking your authentic story, your authentic destiny. And please don't settle for anything less than that.